Authors Over 50, Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today is a USA Today best-selling author of sweet romantic fiction. Her day job is working as a freelance copy editor and proofreader. However, writing is her first and most enduring passion. She can't remember a time in her life when she wasn't writing. She wrote her first romantic novel at the age of 10 and is still writing but now from the viewpoint of a wiser, slightly rumpled woman in her prime. She lives in the Midwest with her husband of 49 years, where they split their time between a house in the city and a cottage on a lake. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Nan Reinhart. Thank you. I appreciate being here, Julia. Nan, our opening question on Authors Over 50 is always, what took you so long to write your first book? Well, actually, I wrote my first book when I was 10, but to be published, um, I think, you know, life got in the way, other stuff, and I never stopped writing, Um, but it it was basically journaling and, you know, and then um, this story, once more from the top, sort of just kept haunting me. And so I finally sat down in 2009 and wrote it. And we didn't publish it until 2013. And it went through a billion different editors. And then my agent, I had an agent at the time who was just really wanted to get it published. Um, The problem was that the characters were too old. They were over 40. (laughs) And that was a problem. So I ended up um, indie publishing it myself, and that was the book that got me on the USA Today bestseller list, so go figure. Wow. Well, I think times are changing, I hope, because most of the books that are sold in the U.S. are sold to women over 45, and we want to see ourselves in those books. (laughs) That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And I would really have a hard time writing anyone younger than about 40 or maybe maybe a little younger than 35 because I haven't been there in such a long time. So, Well, it sounds like you have the best of both worlds where you live, a city and a lake. Yes. Where do you do most of your writing? Mostly, well, I mostly here in my little office in the city. Um, but when I'm at the lake, I have a card table and a slipper chair. And I sit by the window and write there as well. So I can write, I can write pretty much anywhere. I'm, 
I'm, you know, have laptop will travel. So. Well, that's great to be able to do that. I have to have my specific place. It has to be very quiet. There can be no noise. The dogs have to be, you know, in another (laughs) room. (laughs) It's kind of like the way I sleep. I can't sleep unless I have all of that. (laughs) I don't have to have, I don't, I I don't listen to music or anything like that. When I have, I pretty much have to have quiet. So I usually write, I get up really early and I write first thing in the morning before my husband wakes up and before anything else happens. So I give myself a couple hours to to just write and do nothing else so that works and it's quiet here it's just the two of us well you mentioned uh having an agent at one time can you take us through your your first publishing journey and tell us whether you decide to go with a hybrid a small press or self-publish sure um i wrote once more from the top and a friend of mine who had who actually has passed away and was a really good author, um, told, kept telling me to send it to her agent in New York. And I didn't because I didn't know anything about all that stuff, you know? And then when she passed away, I just felt really drawn that I needed to do this. There was just this thing inside me that was, I just needed to do this. So I sent a letter to the agent and told her who I was and how I knew about her and the agent and what the book was and what it was about. And the agent sent me back an email within about four days and said, send me the book. So I sent her the book and she signed me. And it was, I mean, it doesn't happen that way for everybody. It just, I, you know, I think Suzanne was looking down from heaven and saying to Maureen, sign this woman. Um, Unfortunately for Maureen and I, the agent, as I said earlier, she sent it everywhere. I mean, I literally have probably 25 rejections but they were never bad rejections. They were always like, man, we love this woman's voice. We love the story. The characters are too old. They were 40 and 45 and their child is 15 and he's too old too. They want babies, not, not teenagers. Well, the problem with that was I could not rewrite that story with younger characters because the whole gist of the story is that she's kept this child from him for 15 years and that's their conflict. They've got to work that out. And it wouldn't work if it was a baby or, you know. So I finally, Maureen finally said to me, I'm out of places to send this. Nobody wants to read about grandma and grandpa having sex. So anyway, and they're really not. I mean, my books really aren't graphic at all. So anyway, um, I I had an editor friend at the time. And she said, let me help you put them up on, on, as an indie. So we did that. And, um, it's been it's been a ride ever since um the these four books the four books in the series with this book in it um did have done really well for me and they were how I got the contract to write more books for Thule Publishing because I sent them these and said if you guys want them you can have them and they said no you're doing fine but would you like to write us something else and I said sure what do you want and they said how about a brother story and I was like Sure, why not? So that's that's how it happened. And I was this book was published the year I turned 60. It actually was published on my 60th birthday. So well, that's very exciting. Go. And you've had an agent, you've had a small press, you've self-published, you've done everything except the hybrid, I think. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I'm I'm not 
I'm not doing any indie right now. I'm, I'm strictly published with Thule Publishing and I love them. They are, they're exactly where I should be. They're just wonderful. So. Well, Nan, okay. being a USA Today bestselling author is quite significant. To what do you attribute that success? Um, very honestly, I think two things. One is I did a BookBub sale and BookBub, you know, there are like a million people, well over a million people signed up for BookBub. And so if you can hit a sale, a feature with them, which is very hard to do. Somehow I did it. I'm not sure how um, they just, they took the book and that's how, that's how I think it hit, hit the list because so many people bought it and that was wonderful. I was thrilled. But I think also, as you said earlier, romance readers are 45 and older pretty much. And we want to read about people our own age. None of us can identify with that first, you know, falling in love when you're 20 and you don't know, you know, anything about it. Um, these are all people who have, who've been around the block. They, you know, they're experienced people and they're not looking for that first little blush of, of teenage romance. They're looking for a relationship. They meet on a level playing field of experience. And I think that's what people our age want to read. I'm not including you in my age group, but people over 45 want to read. So well, I'm far over the age of 50 myself. I published my first book at 66. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Good for yes. you. You know, USA Today, they're not even having those calculations at this time. So I you know, may be one of the last to have that prestigious uh, label on your name. That's very possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cherish that, I think. <laughs> yes, I, I would definitely cherish that. And you're certainly writing in the genre that's the most popular in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard. It, it is really hard for me to understand why, why people in general, but publishers especially, don't appreciate that, that, that this is where the money is, guys. We are the people you should be looking for. But they don't. So what are you going to do? You're exactly right. It's very significant. How did writing that first book change your process of writing? Um, I think that it made me more disciplined. Instead of just writing when I felt like it, I had to, I, I now have to get up every morning at six and I sit down and it's the first thing I do every morning. And I, seven days a week, pretty much. I don't really give myself a break unless I'm going on a vacation and I've opted not to do it. But every morning at six, I get up, I sit down at this desk and I write for two hours and I may produce 200 words. I may produce 2000. It just depends on where I'm at in the story and what's going on. And sometimes it's just a lot of going back and rereading what I wrote before and trying to get a feel for the story, but I'm here every morning. And, you know, Nora Roberts once said how you how you do this is you put your butt in your chair and your fingers on the keyboard and you do it. And that's really the truth. And I didn't realize that when I wrote Once More from the Top, I was I was just writing when I felt like it because there was no sense of urgency, no deadlines, nothing like that. But now I write to a deadline, of course. And so it's it is discipline and writing is hard work. And anyone who says it isn't is either not a writer or they're lying. So that's it. Discipline. 
It really is important and you're treating it like a job and working it as a job. And, and that makes a huge difference because today you're launching what number book today? Number 13. Number 13. Yeah. So your, your plan is working. It is. It is. This, this is the first in a three book series. I have two more coming out in 2023. And then I have four more coming out in 2024 and 2025 that and they're all in this little town called river's edge and it's a setting that people have kind of fallen in love with the readers and i i'm in love with it too so i'm delighted that people want to go back there it's a treat to write in this town so is it a real place or just in your imagination well it's in my imagination but it's based on a real place called madison indiana which is just this charming little ohio river town and the first time I went there, I fell in love with it. And I go back all the time because I love it so much there. And River's Edge is, there's a lot of Madison in River's Edge. So, Well, you're so prolific. What is your inspiration for each book? First of all, I have these people in my head who keep talking to me and saying, hey, tell my story. So I do. Um, but as, as the River's Edge books have come along it has been mostly somebody there's been a secondary character in a previous book and then they start talking to me and they need a story and you know so each time I put someone new in a river's edge book they end up wanting a story so that's really that's really what it is is the, the people in my head talking and you know most people would be put away for that but if you're a writer they don't put you away so that's nice they really do start talking to us. Yes. Did real people inspire any of these characters? You know, not really. I think that there are little bits and pieces of people that I know and love or people, you know, people that I've seen or something like that, or little, you know, like if I'm in an airport and I'm watching people and then a story idea will pop up for pe for the people talking in my head. But I think that for the most part, these they're, they're very much fictional. I don't think anyone could read a book of mine and say, oh, that's me. Which is probably a good thing, right? Well, a lot of people do say that about our books, but it's not true, really. <laughs> no, no. They're usually a conglomeration of lots of people. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, you know, most writers want to write. They don't want to publicize themselves. And there are a lot of challenges in that. And even the big five publishers these days are expecting their authors to do the public relations and marketing. Have you found publicity for these books that worked for you or maybe that didn't work? I have found that publicity for these books are just is just plain hard work, like the writing. <laughs> And you, you have to be willing to put yourself out like I am right this minute talking to you because this isn't my most comfortable thing to do. Um, thank you, though, for making it very comfortable. Um, but I think that I just am. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to do the social media stuff because that's how we sell books these days is on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I haven't ventured into TikTok yet. I'm just not there. I, this is really hard for me to be on camera. So I just can't even imagine doing that. But, you know, I don't know. I'll never say never. But anyway, um, and I'm very lucky. Thule Publishing is so great about working promotion with me. 
And anything that, you know, I find that looks like it'll be a great idea, they're always on board and they publicize books like crazy. They're so terrific about going out on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere and, and shouting out your book. And um, so that part has been really great. And plus other authors, I, I have a website where on every Wednesday and Thursday, I have different authors in the author spotlight. And so they, they come and I help promote them. And then in exchange, they promote me. And so, you know, having lots of author friends is a real blessing. And, you know, being, it's not a competition. I think that's the thing that so many people don't get about writing. It's not about books and publishing. It's not a competition. If we all help each other, we're all going to succeed. So I feel real strongly about helping other authors. Well, that's why I started this podcast. You know, just like you, I wanted to pay it forward to my generous authors who helped me along the way to get my books published. And I thought I would do 10 or 12 podcasts and I'd have the old podcast fade and that would be that. And I could say that I had done my due, but now I just, I just recorded my 142nd podcast just since last March. And people are still overwhelming me. We have so many authors over the age of 50 who have written their first book. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It's like you've started something brand new in the middle of your life. And well, I just think you know, that's it's, so cool. it's like writing your book with the older characters, you know, older authors don't receive the publicity that younger do because mm-hmm. uh, people are mistakenly thinking that younger people have a longer career and many more books in them than older authors do. But I'm finding that's not the case. And you are proving Mm -hmm. that today as well. I am. I'm trying to keep them out there. So are there any specific books or seminars or writing retreats or groups that you can share that improved your writing journey? Um, When I joined, when I started writing, I joined Romance Writers of America, the Indiana chapter, which is, um, Romance Writers has changed a lot since then. Um, but, and so many of the people that I met there were so helpful and so kind and just very willing to, to talk to me and give me advice. I have uh, three critique partners that are who I met in that group and they're still my critique partners and they're wonderful. I, I can't imagine writing without them. Um, I have my, my what, who I call my writing bestie, Liz Flaherty, who's an amazing author. She has a gorgeous voice. And um, she and I go on retreats a couple, time, couple of times a year. We go to Michigan, or I think our next one's going to be in Bardstown, Kentucky. We just go someplace. We do a VRBO, and we write for three or four days together. We don't, we're not writing books together, but we write at the same time. And it's really wonderful because we can process. We can bounce ideas off each other. And plus, we get to go see new places we've never been before. Um, I've been to um, RWA events several times, and I'm—I'll tell you the truth. The last one I went to was up in Chicago, and it was in I think 2016, maybe. And I was—I felt old there. <laughs> that sounds so stupid, but I really felt like I'd aged out of that kind of event because I wasn't there. I was just there because I was an author. And, you know, I had my swag and my books and things, but I wasn't really trying to sell anything to anybody at that point. And so it was just, I wanted to do workshops and things, but everything I was involved in 
everybody was so young and they were writing erotic books and paranormal books. And, you know, I write contemporary, sweet contemporary romance. So it just kind of felt like I felt out of place, which, you know, maybe that was my own problem and not anyone else's, but um, I would love it if someone would do an over 50 writers retreat or writers conference, that would be amazing. But it's, they're hard to, they're hard to come by. Well, maybe I'll do that next. <laughs> I would love it. If you did, I would be right there with you, babe. Truly. I love that you've created your own writing retreat with another author. I think that's a fabulous idea. Oh, we have a blast. We just have a great time. And we're very, we're good companionable travelers together. We travel well together. And so that makes it a lot easier. Um, we've done a couple of these retreats with other authors too. And that's been nice, but she and I do best when it's just the two of us. And um, let's see, in July, I'm going to a writer's conference in, or not a conference, but a retreat, a Thule author retreat in San Clemente, which I'm very excited about going to. And I get to meet some of my fellow Thule authors that I've been you know, dealing with for the last four years. So that's going to be really exciting. Plus our publisher, Jane Porter, who's that's, I'm going to have a fangirl moment there, I'm sure. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. Nan, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about the passages you've brought to share today and then read from your work so we can hear your tone and voice. Okay. Well, um, from once more from the top, um, the gist of the story is that she she got pregnant while they were at a, at a conference and she was madly in love and he was madly in love, but he went on to become a pretty famous um, symphony conductor. And she just didn't feel like she could bring this baby into his life. And so she just decided she wasn't going to tell him. And she moved up with her aunt and uncle in Michigan. And she's a photographer, a really successful photographer. And for the music, she's a pianist as well. Um, she goes to play in a bar in a hotel and that he comes up to the little town to work with the Traverse City Symphony and he sees her playing in the bar. And it's the first time he's seen her in 15 years. And then he comes at one point, he comes to where she lives and there's a it's, it's her uncle's marina and he goes into the boat place to find her and sees a picture on the bulletin board. And he recognizes the picture because the picture looks just like his nephew. He held up one hand as he stared out across the water. Even though they weren't touching, she could feel the tension coiled in his body. Why wouldn't he look at her? That's my boat in your uncle's marina. And Elliot told me where you lived. When I walked around town earlier, your studio was closed. So I came back to your apartment. I guess I thought maybe we could talk, but you weren't there. So I went down to the bait shop to see if your uncle might know where I could find you. Now he was eyeing her. An inkling of fear niggled at her as he continued with almost deliberate indifference. He was out with a customer, so I wandered around. Her heart hammered and her mouth went dry. Still, she managed to remain outwardly composed. What had he seen? She tried to picture the shop, but her mind was a jumble of fear as he went on, his voice rising. You'll never guess what I found on the bulletin board next to a flyer for the fish taxidermist. He pulled a photograph from his pocket and tossed it in her lap. She already knew what it was. The photo of Jack. Margie had taken it just last week when they launched the Penguin, the sailboat he and Noah had refurbished. Apparently, Noah had pinned the picture on the bulletin board. She sat in silence, trying to calm the clutch of fear in her stomach. Where's my son, Liam demanded, and don't even bother denying he's mine. My half-blind granny would recognize that boy as a Riley. Harry raised her eyes to his, expecting anger, prepared for fury. 
and clearly he was furious, but the pain in his expression shocked her speechless. Pain so raw, it cut through her like a knife. Why would you do that? His voice was so quiet, she had to lean closer to hear his next broken question. Why? Why would you have my child and not telling me, and not tell me? There was a, no point in denying any of it. I considered telling you. She slid her eyes away from his rage and anguish to stare at the photo more than once. He was trembling. It's been 15 years. You've hidden my son from me for 15 years. That was very poignant. It, um, they have a, an interesting relationship, the two of them, because they just, neither of them trust each other. And they've got to rebuild that. And around that, he has to learn to know his son. So, and as it happens, his son is a piano prodigy. Oh, my goodness. That's Which a great twist there. Brings a whole new thing into the relationship. <laughs> so, anyway. On the covers with your synopsis or uh, blurbs on the cover, do you um, state that these are older characters? Um, this, this particular book, my, my, little, my own little publishing company is called Fine Wine Romances. Hopefully that gives people a hint <laughs> that we age like fine wine. Um, I don't usually tell the age, but um, when I put them, when I put these up, seasoned romance was one of the tags that we used and over 40 characters and, you know, those just those kinds of tags because people go onto Amazon, they look for those. And so that's how I do it. Um, it in the book, it talks about how old they are because, you know, they have not seen each other for 16 years. And so that seems to be a number for me, because in this book, they haven't seen each other in 15 years either. (laughs) (laughs) You're so prolific. How long on average does it take you to write a book? Um, Now that I'm writing to deadlines with Thule, it takes me about three to five months to write a book. I'm not as fast as a lot of people. I can't crank them out. But I can do about three to five months usually. I think three to five months is rapid fire. Do you? Because I know people who have put out like, you know, 20 books a year. And I'm like, how do you do that? I can't imagine. I I think one a year is is more than enough. (laughs) (laughs) But since I write series, they, you know, the need to keep going. It's, yeah, your your there. readers gobble them up and want another one quickly. That that is true. That is I, what happens. I've They're heard like, some authors book? talk about that and say that they would have to write about three before they release the first one and then release them pretty quickly, yes. you know, to keep those readers hooked. Yeah. My the ones that are coming out in this year are all they're all done and written and just waiting, you know, to be released. Uh, the next one I'm working on right now will be released, I think, in 2024. I'm not sure when. April, April 2024. So, you know, I just have to write one and turn it in and then write another one. And it's not, it's it's hard, but it's not horribly hard because the stories are there. The people are there. They just, I just got to move them forward, you know. Well, I would think that you've already achieved the success that most of us would like to achieve being a USA Today bestseller. But what does writing success look like to uh, to you personally? 
That's an interesting question. Um, to me personally, I think it is that people want more. I think that's it. As long as people want more stories from River's Edge, I will write more stories from River's Edge and feel like I have, be, that I'm successful. Um, it's kind of silly because this was the book that took me to the USA Today bestseller list, but I didn't really feel like an author until I published my first book with a traditional publisher, Thule. And that's so silly, but that, I think, you know, we get these things in our head. And, um, but I, I just, I love that people want more River's Edge. And that's, to me, that feels really successful. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. I love hearing from readers who loved my book, not family members, not friends, just strangers who found the books and loved them. So I think that's so important. And I think that does make us successful. It is. It does. I think that's true. That's true. Oh. Well, Nan, as always, our last interview question is our writers over 50 are quite unique. Do you have any advice for writers 50 and above? I think my biggest or most important advice would be if you want to write, write, do it, do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't think you're too old. Don't think that the world won't accept your book because you're over 50. Just do it. And, you know, go into that world that you're writing about and live in it and enjoy it and have fun. Because that, to me, that is what this is all about. When this stops being fun, I'll stop doing it. But right now it's so much fun, even though it's a lot of hard work. And there are days when I think I can't write another word or days when I think I can't do another moment of promotion. That's not today because today the book releases. But I just think that it, just do it. That sounds so trivial and trite, but it's it's the truth. Don't let your age stop you. Don't let what anyone else thinks or says stop you. If you've got a book in you, do it. I agree. I, I think that's great advice. And, and certainly for those of us after the age of 50, some of us far over the age of 50, I'm interviewing people in their 70s, 80s and 90s, and they're still writing beautiful work. So I think it's something that we can do the rest of our lives and keep us sharp and use our wisdom and our hindsight that we have gathered over the years. I think it makes our work richer. And I'm just so excited to have you here today. You have certainly found what works for you and what your readers love. And, and now we're happy to say that you're counted among our authors over 50. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be a part of that group. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www.juliadaily, that's D-A-I-L-Y, like dailynewspaper.com. Until next time, keep reading and writing. And remember, it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third.